Say, man, who's that cat coming down the street? I don't know, but it sounds to me like that whistling man with the bone. Sure having himself a ball. Archiver is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council and is a member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Come on, you already know that I'm going to take you on another trip into the world of basketball. No song is more associated with the game than Sweet Georgia Brown. It conjures up the Harlem Globetrotters and their magic circle warm-up routine. The Globetrotters have always been innovators, but perhaps the greatest innovation was in 1985 when they signed a woman, the first woman to ever play professionally with men. That woman was from Kansas, and she would not only change the game, but become a hero to female athletes to be sure, and probably many, many other young women. podcast is Archiver, the episode, the most important basketball player you've never heard of. Me, I'm your host, Sam Zeff. Yes, that was that cat, all right. Even the most casual basketball fan can tick off famous Jayhawks, Wilt Chamberlain, Jojo White, coaches Fog Allen and Bill Self, and of course, the inventor of the game, James Naismith, who we covered on a previous Archiver. But the one who scored more points blaze more trails, and probably inspired more athletes, is this woman. My name is Lynette Woodard. I'm from Wichita, Kansas. I attended the University of Kansas, and I am the first female Harlem Globetrotter. That's from a Globetrotter video press kit for the 1985 season. Lynette Woodard was a force way before she joined the Globetrotters. In her four years at KU, she scored 3,649 points, more than any other woman ever in the game, and she scored all those points at a time when there was no three-point shot. How does that stack up against the men? Well, the man with the most points at KU, Danny Manning, had 2,951. That's 698 fewer points than Lynette. Put another way, Manning would have had to play 35 more games an entire other season to match Wooder's scoring. What else you say? How about a four-time All-America, twice an Olympian, and in 1996, she was named the greatest female athlete ever in the old Big Eight. There is, of course, a lot more to say about Lynette, including my own experiences with her. But first, I want to get in the Wayback Machine with archiver historian Virgil Dean. Virgil, I think a lot of people believe that uh, Candace basketball for women uh, came to uh, being with Coach Marion Washington's teams uh, when she started uh, when she started at uh, Candace. But the very first Candace women's team coached by James Naismith. Who else? Darn right. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about your father of basketball. Yeah. What was the uh, all of a sudden in 1903? Why are we seeing this one season of uh, Candace women's basketball? Yeah, it's curious, and I don't, I can't claim to know a lot about it, but uh, this was at a time. Uh, in the early late 19th, early 20th century, when when uh, there was a lot of influence, particularly among people like James Naismith, who were primarily concerned about physical activity, uh, what we call physical education today, and health education. And uh, so, in 1903, uh, along with his men's team, uh, he put together a, a year of. Uh, I guess it was intercollegiate. Uh, it was uh, certainly varsity type basketball for women. And uh, 
they had one season. Uh, its emphasis, of course, then was on the activity part of it, and that's would continue to be uh, Dr. Naismith's main interest for basketball. And, of course, this is just a few years after the first KU men's team. So uh, he was asked to coach the team. They had a fairly successful, I think, year without, you know, as far as all reports go. But after that, uh, for budgetary reasons or whatever reasons, the university decided that there wouldn't be any um, women's basketball at that level. So it was dropped for over 60 years. Uh, which is which is interesting. I think in 1968, then it comes back as a uh, organized sports activity for women at the collegiate level. So Lynette Woodard comes out of uh, Wichita uh, high school basketball in the in the late 70s, uh, and this coincides with Title IX, uh, which you had your own personal experiences with as a uh, middle school or high school coach. Uh, but there's but there's no doubt, I don't think, that without Title IX, uh, the career of Lynette Woodard and then hundreds of others, uh, of uh, thousands of others, of uh, college basketball players uh, wouldn't have been possible without that. Title IX has a tremendous impact. It, uh, as you mentioned, I was starting my career as a public school teacher back in the mid-'70s, right as that was taking effect, and uh, we were uh, struggling to, uh, to meet the demands of more and more, uh, it was a latent demand. The demand had built up by that time, and some things had happened, but uh, the demand of equality in this area, that's the big thing. It's not that by that time there weren't organized women's sports, but they were certainly underfunded and under-treated, uh, uh, treated differently for a long time, and this was an effort, a, a mandated effort to make them, put them on an equal plane with the boys or men's sports. And of course gives people with the kind of talent that Lynette Woodard had the opportunity to excel in high school uh, and uh, get the kind of coaching and training that she would need to go on to excel at the uh, collegiate and then the professional level. Make no mistake, Woodard joining the Globetrotters was a big deal. She played a couple of years in Italy after graduating from KU, but wanted to come home. It turns out Lynette's cousin was Geese Osby, a Globetrotter star from 1961 to 1985. He helped open the door for her and the 22 other women who tried out that year. Here's how Woodard reacted after making the team... This is from the same 1985 video press kit. I was very nervous the day that uh, the selection was made. Uh, we went through a practice, and right after that, we were to uh, get lined up, uh, all the finalists, so that the you know, selection could be made. Uh, I was standing there. I was nervous. I just couldn't hold it inside. You know, I was jumping around. And um, I decided, okay, you know, I could really try to be cool about this and hide it, but I just wanted to let it flow. Uh, there was um, another rookie selected along with me, and um, his name was called, and he stepped out. And I looked down to clap for him and congratulate him, and the announcer kept right on, and he said, and now the first lady. And uh, he said, and from the University of Kansas, and he called my name out. And I couldn't hear my name, so I started to look around, you know, to find out who was from Kansas. <laughs> and uh, it hit me, you know, I'm the one. And I just stepped out, and, and the joy that I felt uh, was unbelievable. It was, 
how do you spell relief? <laughs> Making the Harlem Globetrotters. And uh, it was something that was a dream of mine, and, and it came true. And it was just hard for it to sink in, something that, you know, number one, wasn't even on the horizon. And, and just for me to think about it and then have it to come true, words can't express the feeling that I had. Even her Trotter teammates were impressed. This is Harold Hubbard, who would play 10 years with the team, talking about Woodard. I personally am looking forward to playing with the young lady on the team this year. Uh, I think it's great in the sense that we uh, revolutionized basketball, for one, by being the first professional basketball team to get a young lady to play. And uh, secondary, you know, it gives, uh, it's like women's live. It gives women a chance to see that there are ladies that can compete with men on that level as far as um, pro level, physically and mentally, and do the tricks and things like that with the ball. She's, uh, I didn't realize that we were going to get Lynette Woodard. I had seen her play years ago in college, and uh, I knew she was on the Olympic team and things like that. But I didn't uh, know that I was going to get a chance to, you know, be on the same team with her. So it's fantastic. Ebony Magazine called her the crown princess of basketball, a play on the Trotters' famous marketing line. This is what the Philadelphia Daily News wrote about her after a game in Houston on February 14, 1986. Doe, Fleet, and Willow Tall. The 26-year-old Woodard is blazing a trail in basketball, the Daily News wrote. She won't rival Jackie Robinson, but that's okay. Woodard is not comfortable being thought of as a role model. But it turns out one doesn't seek role model status. It finds you. And it certainly found Lynette Woodard. So I needed to know more about not just Lynette the basketball player, but Lynette the role model. So I went to this woman. Uh, Michelle Vopel. I'm a writer for ESPN.com. So the first thing here is that Michelle is not just a writer. She's a thinker, someone who puts things in perspective. I think Lynette Woodard as a player was uncomplicated. Versatile to be sure, but not complicated. As a person, very complicated. Lynette Woodard seems to me, uh, and I watched her uh, in her career at the University of Kansas, uh, covered her on the student radio station, even played in pickup basketball games against her, she added explosiveness, it seems to me, to the women's game that we didn't see before. What do you think about that? She certainly had it to the degree that it may have existed in other places. It's probably similar that it was, you know, it existed in places that we didn't see or didn't hear about. But she's one of the all-time greatest athletes, I think, in all of women's sports. You mentioned playing against her in pickup games. I'm not sure there are any greater advocates than the guys I know, including some guys I worked with at the Kansas City Star who were near her age, who played against her. Because they knew, right? Uh, yes. If there's ever any place that guys believe in things, it's on the pickup court. <laughs> and they knew it. You played against her, you know it. She was really, really um, a physical phenomenon. After all these years and all the accolades and every place she's been, I feel like we don't really know her. We don't really know much of her story, which in this age of social media and people uh, wearing their uh, heart on their sleeve and anywhere else they can put it, I just don't know very much about her. And I'm wondering why you think that is and what you can fill in. When Lynette was 
um, obviously born and raised and grew up in Wichita. Was a two-time state champion there, then went to Kansas. There wasn't, um, you know, I don't think that, obviously there wasn't a lot of coverage on her as an individual because there wasn't a lot of coverage in general. I think there was probably a lot of reticence on her part to ever open up very much about who she was. And maybe for a lot of reasons um, that she felt like she wanted to keep things close. Um, I I think that sometimes can be the case a lot of times in women's sports, um, you know, for multiple reasons. You know, I was born in 1965. So when I was um, in fourth grade is when my high school, I grew up in eastern Missouri, uh, that's when they first got women's basketball. It was in 1974. So... Before then, I never saw pictures in, the, in our local newspaper of female athletes. And starting in right around the time, you know, 1974, for the first time, I started seeing pictures of girls doing athletic things. And I can still remember the name of the very best player on my high school team on, on that first team, Teresa Cadillac. I'll never forget it because it was so amazing to see this girl with a basketball in her hands in action in a photo. Um, it seems probably to people young now, they they would be like, what? It was a big, big deal back then. To see someone like Lynette, who was so powerful, so strong, so unapologetic about being an athlete, the way she carried herself, I think was an inspiration to anybody, you know, regardless of of sexuality uh, or or gender identity or anything, if you were just somebody who was like, I don't fit into what everybody says a girl is supposed to be like, I don't fit into that very well. People like Lynette told you that was okay. And the confidence with which she carried herself and still does, that's one thing I love about Lynette. When Lynette walks through a room, she still looks like an athlete, right? She still looks like, man, if she were out on a pickup court, she'd still probably kick your butt. Um, that meant a lot, I think, to, to people. And, um, and, and and again, women in particular, I think, who didn't fit a what they thought was the, the stereotype. Um, Lynette didn't fit it, and she was okay with that. Thanks for talking to me. This was perfect. Thank you. Woodard bounced around a bit, sometimes deep into basketball, sometimes away altogether. She played for the Globetrotters for two years, played in both Italy and Japan, worked as a Wall Street stockbroker, and would return to coach briefly at KU. She was the athletic director in the Kansas City, Missouri Public Schools and played two seasons in the WNBA. In 2004, she was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Thank you very much. Uh, Wow, it's such an honor to be here. I'd like to thank the Hall of Fame for this this wonderful, wonderful uh, moment in my life. Um, And I'd like to thank my family for being here, my wonderful mother who uh, just allowed me to play when I was growing up. You know, she didn't burden me down with a lot of chores. She just said, go, baby, you do your thing. (laughs) I thank you, and I love you for that. 
I would like to thank uh, my hometown, Wichita, Kansas, for all the support that they've given me over the years. Um, also, the state of Kansas. Um, you know, just when you have so many friends and family reaching out to you, encouraging you, uh, it just makes things so much easier. Um, I would like to thank the University of Kansas uh, for wonderful education, uh, for uh, giving me the opportunity uh, to play there. Uh, I would like to give a special thanks to uh, my coach, Coach Washington, who uh, really showed me what courage was all about, who fought for many years so that women could have the opportunity there uh, to play basketball. Thank you. And that's how the speech went. I wanted something profound, something that acknowledged her place in history. But instead, one of the most important women athletes ever was humble more interested in thanking others than talking about herself. It was, I thought, a Kansas moment. Lynette reminded me of another Kansan, another basketball trailblazer we talked about on Archiver, Coach John McClendon. McClendon was the first black person to graduate with a physical education degree from KU, the first black coach in professional basketball, and a man who changed the game and paved the way for African-American players. Woodard and McClendon both quietly changed basketball and, along the way, inspired countless young men and women. Lynette Woodard is back where she belongs, in college basketball. She was named head coach of Winthrop University's women's basketball program last year. And that's Archiver. The podcast is produced by Matt Hodap in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City and is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council. Archiver is a co-production of Fountain City Frequency and Do Good Productions, where Nancy Seelan is executive producer. You can see lots of pictures of Lynette at FountainCityFrequency.com. My thanks to Michelle Vopel from ESPN.com for her thoughts. And hey, if you like the podcast make sure to leave a review on iTunes. For my favorite Kansas historian, Virgil Dean, I'm Sam Zeff, and I'll see you on the next Archiver.